0: Welcome to the first September PFF forecast. It's finally here. Football is finally here. And there was no better way for us to open up September than with the NFC West preview podcast, which means that Ben Baldwin is joining us. The number one person to talk to about the NFC West, about the Seahawks, about Russell Wilson. The
1: zaniness that is the NFC West and the Seahawks specifically i don't think there's anybody better uh, to ca- to no. encapsulate plus, this
0: plus plus we have to talk a little mac jones so we will will talk patriots mac jones at the beginning and then we will do nfc west it's going to be a fantastic podcast let's rock <laughs> Before we get to Ben Baldwin, I've got to tell you about a few, few great things that are going on. The first is that kickoff is happening in like, you know, eight days basically. And if you use promo code KICKOFF30, you cannot embarrass, you can avoid embarrassing yourself in the fantasy draft that you certainly forgot about. Um, the bets that you are certainly going to place that mm-hmm. you could potentially lose if you don't make smart decisions. So mm-hmm. go to PFF.com. Use promo code KICKOFF30. You'll get all of the rankings and projections, all the fantasy cheat sheets, plus the betting power rankings tool, um, and of course the betting dashboards and player props tool that will be up there. So make it happen before it's too late. 30% off with KICKOFF30. Also, if you're still struggling to find a place to do a fantasy draft, Fantrax is a good option. Multi-team trades, player salary, and contract options. It's the one we chose. It's it's actually really... Sweet. Like, if you're mm-hmm. still in, using Yahoo and ESPN, make the, make the move. Use promo code PFF at Fantrax.com slash PFF and get a chance to win a trip to any regular season game this year for you and your entire league plus
1: $6,000. We got to ask Ben what he'd do with the $6,000. Right. I,
0: I'm very excited. And which game he'd go to. It would be um, Seahawks-Diners, I'm sure. Um, so go to Fantrax.com, promo code PFF. And last but not least, if you're going to bet on games, and we encourage you to do so, um, you could do that at DraftKings.com in uh, oh. the DraftKings. I thought
1: I thought it was gonna be another uh manscaped read. Oh. Because if you get sweaty during during a <laughs> betting of a game. But but no, no. You have to place a bet first. You, you have to you have to play your DFS lineups first. And for that we have DraftKings. The
0: manscaped read is gonna come later, Eric. I'm gonna spring it on you when you least expect it. We're gonna have once Ben comes on, then Luckily, it's open season. with my ball deodorant though. Oh my god. I'm gonna okay. be ready. Go to DraftKings, use promo code PFF, and if you Bet $1, their promos. Bet $1 in any NFL game in the first week. Get $200 worth of free bets. Could not be easier. Go make it happen. Uh, it's the official Sportsbook partner of the NFL. You must be 20 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers are the ones that are eligible. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gaming problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or
1: in Indiana, 1-800-9. Speaking of such problems, I just placed another bet on UAB tonight against Jacksonville State. Am I surprised? Absolutely not. No, but not at all. 109 okay. with it or whatever. Is, yes. Do you have <laughs> a in my future? Perhaps.
0: All right. We now welcome on uh, our good friend, Benjamin Baldwin, hanging out with us as he does on a fairly regular basis. I don't know if he's been on the podcast two, three, four times, but he's one of the best people to go um, follow on Twitter for insightful, uh, sometimes um, exciting. Twitter content. He sometimes riles the people up a little bit. Um, ben, thank you for coming and hanging out with us. How'd you been?
2: Uh, good. Thanks for having me. Always appreciate chatting with you guys. And I'm pretty sure the last the last time I was on was previewing the NFC West last year. And mid-show, we heard about the Debo Samuel injury. So let's hope we do better this time. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, and that did not end well. I, I think I did place a bet on the Niners under like that moment. Mm-hmm. And then that was not really a sweat i'm sorry george but uh hopefully during this time period no one gets injured in the best division i think in the nfl would you agree ben that you know this is sort of the the prominent division
2: yeah it's it's because the Bengals exist i guess that that takes out the afc north which would be the other one i would think of but um if not the best i think I'm very biased, but I would say certainly the most interesting just because there's so many storylines uh, with all of these teams, uh, as we'll get into soon, I'm sure.
0: By the way, it is worth noting that Ben, so it's at Ben Baldwin uh, on Twitter, but it's the, he's the Computer Cowboy. And hit, your background on Twitter is us doing a podcast together. With you, yeah. With you, the Computer Cowboy on there. And I am wearing a tank top, and I just, I had to open up with this. It's not a very flattering picture to me. The, the muscle definition, not, not fantastic. It's not great, but can we pause for a sec? I appreciate uh, you putting it. Out
1: there. But I, when, when Chris Herndon was traded to the Vikings, I went back to that one pod yeah. where like both of us blanked on his name and just called him Austin Safarian Jenkins or something like that. And Jets fans wanted us like killed during that podcast. We, um, we also suggested that the Jets trade Sam Darnold for the Kyler Murray pick. If the, if, the, if the comments got their way, we'd both be fired by now. Mm. Interesting to note, though, um, you were wearing a tank top in that. I, I was just noticing that you were wearing a tank top in that video as, oh, well. as well. So, so you, you sort of like backslidden on your tank top wearing.
0: Um, ben, let's start with actually something that's not NFC West related. The Mac Jones um, over Cam Newton selection. Um, as, a, as an aficionado of fine quarterback play, what, what was, were you surprised at all by that? And does that like, does it change the outlook of, of the Patriots in your mind?
2: So uh, I, I guess I was a little surprised about how surprised people were. If if that makes any sense, like they, they spent a first round pick. Um, Cam Newton has played great in the past, but not consistently in a lot of years and all that is setting aside all the COVID stuff too. So if, if Mac Jones looked passable in preseason, um, which he did, um, all the caveats about preseason aside, then just why not just let him play? Like for all these teams that invested um, high draft capital in their quarterbacks, then I I, I don't see a, a great argument for sitting any of them, and especially not um, Mac Jones and, and Justin Fields are the two that like really seem like there's no good reason to hold them out.
1: Yeah. And there's also the the aspect of it, which I think we're all getting a little bit better at understanding this idea of, you know, with the the players playing on a rookie deal, right? It's sort of, it, you know, yeah. there's the risk that Cam Newton plays really well, right? And if he plays really well, then you go, you just drafted a guy in the first round, but you have to go back to the table with Cam or let him go. And if I, 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 I agree with you, they have pulled even, even right. Like the risk having like Mac Jones comes out and throws 40 touchdowns this year. Like, that's awesome, and it's also great for the Patriots because, you know, Mac can't really, like, demand more money either. And now you have a sort of ready-made winning situation, whereas with Newton, like, there's the uncertainty of how he'll play, but there's also the uncertainty that's tacked onto that, which is that if you get the best of outcomes, it's sort of like Green Bay, right? If you get the best of outcomes, you still have a lot of crap that goes along with it. Oh, I thought you meant best of outcomes like he doesn't get COVID again. Well,
0: there's that too, right? Like, <laughs> that's—I mean, the funny thing—the funniest things that I heard. Um, by the way, I was going to say, do we know if Mac Jones is good as a third and six plus passer? That's really a question that we need to dig into here. If you we, don't, we
1: might never know. If the you,
0: sample is so small; we might never know. If you don't get the joke, you can go check out Twitter. Um, but uh, one of the funniest things that I read about it, Ben, and I don't know if this ever happened to you, but um, apparently Cam Newton and Doug. Uh, kide who works for us now did some reporting on this and the sentiment was look he's just so liked in the locker room you know that if you kept him around it would just it wouldn't work because you can't be that popular and be the backup
1: if it fires me that's going to be the reason by the way <laughs> just to that ever there,
2: there was an argument uh, a very similar argument in seahawks twitter a year ago when i think it was a year ago when, when cam Newton was a free agent and there, there were people saying you can't bring in Cam Newton because it would undermine Russell Wilson's status as a starting QB and like all these things that like maybe coaches think this way to some extent, but I don't think it's really how you should be making, making decisions about your football team. Yeah, Could you imagine
0: Cam Newton's over there just making Instagram videos while Russ
1: is, yeah, but he's, he's a, on his- but the fact of the matter is he's a terrible backup quarterback, right? In the sense of, the cha- you're not going back to Cam if Mac plays like crap, right? You just aren't, right? You're going, Correct. when you make the decision to play a first-round quarterback, you are rolling with the punches. So the only way they go back to Cam Newton is if Mac Jones gets injured. And I think Belichick's just doing the risk-reward, right? The probability that Mac Jones gets injured and Cam Newton has to play significant time I think is less than the probability that Cam fucks up the season with COVID, Right. And you don't want that coming from your backup quarterback. You just don't. Like I can see it being a thing if it's you know, like your starting quarterback, even though I still think it's stupid for these guys not to be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. But the but at least like you have the risk the risk reward thing of the guy playing on the field. If a guy's a backup and like guy quarterbacks just straight up don't get injured that much in the NFL. So if you're having him back up just in the event of injury and he's this humongous ri- ticking time bomb from a you know uh, ecological slash public health perspective, yep. then it was smart to get rid of them. I, I agree with Ben. I don't think it should have been that surprising. Okay, let's do
0: a quick rapid fire here. I'm curious. So where would you put them in the top? Because this was something that I heard our friend Dan Orlovsky say, that like with Mac Jones, they were in the top tier of the AFC. Um, I'm going to go ahead and step out on this giant limb here and say that neither of you feel that way. But Ben, I'll start with you. Where where in the AFC would you put them?
2: I, I could see them like being in the wild card hunt, like maybe the tier that say the dolphins were in last year, but putting in them on the same level as as the, the Chiefs or the Bills or the Ravens, like that that feels a little absurd to me.
0: If you had to pick one between them and the dolphins, one of them can make the playoffs, the other will not.
2: Oh man. That, that that's actually really hard. Um I get it. I guess I would say the Patriots just because I'm – Tua might be good, but his rookie season was not super encouraging, especially compared to what Fitzpatrick did in the same offense. So uh, I'll take the unknown of Mac Jones versus what we saw from Tua, even in a small sample.
1: Well, and and I think the other thing that's important to remember about the Dolphins is how fluky their season was last year, right? Mm -hmm. Like not necessarily from a – I mean – you know, their, their Pythagorean was about on on record, but you're talking about a team that was like bottom half of the league in terms of like yards per play allowed on defense, but, but first in terms of turnovers produced, mm-hmm. like you're just not going to have that year to year, right? So they probably as a defense have to improve fundamentally to stay the same in terms of output. And that's a tough ask. And, um, especially in a division where you go from playing and I'm bullish on the jets. You can make fun of me for it, but you go from playing Sam Darnold twice a year to playing Zach Wilson twice a year, or you go from having Adam case on your schedule twice a year to having Robert on your schedule twice a year. Big difference. I I feel like, I feel like the Patriots are going to be more or less susceptible to the, to like an improvement in the division than the dolphins would be. It's funny. So on, um, our uh, simulations tool on pff.com.
0: We have each of those teams, the Patriots and and the Dolphins with a 33% chance to make the playoffs dead even the tiebreaker to me is the quarterback. And it's, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I do think it's fair to have Mac Jones a little ahead of Tua. Like Tua did not look good last year. Mac Jones. Yeah. It's preseason. That caveat is great. And it's important. And he didn't throw the ball particularly far downfield or all that frequently, but he was really damn accurate with the football and I I think that would break the tie for me as well. Um, I'd still bet the under on the Patriots, though. Is it nine and a half now? Mm-hmm. I mean, come the fuck on. Let's go, let's go NFC West now. Um I think we have to start with the Seahawks here because because we have Ben here. And if I get you started on the Rams, we'll never, we'll never, we'll never get away from that. Well, let's let's do it this way though, Ben. So I was. Um, taken aback when I saw the odds to win this division um, when it opened that the Seahawks were pretty clearly the third favorite to win the division they were three to one when it opened the Niners and the Rams are are co-favorites and that's changed only marginally were you surprised by that why or why not
2: yeah I I think it's more about uh, being surprised and I'm, I'm trying not to sound like a hater here but being surprised at how high the markets are on both the 49ers and the rams um so i i my reaction about the seahawks um being third there is more about like trying to see it with the other teams rather than um objecting to how the market sees the seahawks like i think their their total is nine and a half and i, I think that's a perfectly reasonable number where where my eyes start getting big is is the the 10 and a half for those other two teams. um, We'll get to later.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that's completely reasonable, right? There's a lot of ands that have to happen for both of those teams, right? The Niners have an easy schedule. We've talked about that at length. They have a quarterback that's taken them to a 13 win season and a Super bowl, but their wide receivers can't catch, (laughs) you know, like there's, there's an issue with them on the outside that like. I think we all want Debo and Brandon Ayuk to be good, but there's they're not there yet. They could be very easily. There's also a defense where you go from Salah, who I thought was more impressive in 2020 than he was in 2019, even with how what the the cards he had to play with last year. You go from him to D'Amico Ryan's. You know Richard Sherman's gone, which I know he was gone for a lot of last year, but he was terrific in 19. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're not going to be quite as strong up front. There's a lot of things have to go right for them to be in that elite category, and I think for the Rams, uh, our friend Drew Dinsick messaged me this, and it was I, you know I I agree with him. It's like you look at that defense; they're two really good football players and a bunch of kind of guys that are just meh, you know. Mm-hmm. And you take Brandon Staley out of that equation, put in Raheem Morris, who like Raheem Morris is a fine coach in the NFL, but he's not a, a plus guy so if they fall from first defensively to 10th is matthew stafford good enough to cover that spread Mm
0: -hmm. well it's interesting because i I, you know I, i tend to agree with you ben like the whether it's who how we order it for second third it's all about the you know it's all about the difference between them right and like that big of a gap you know plus 180 to plus 275 which is what the seahawks are at right now is a big gap given what we know about the 49ers, we know about the Rams. I think there's a lot of people, though, that would that would say, yeah, Matt Stafford is going to be just as good as Russell Wilson now that he's in, in McVay's system. And that's, it, it, that's like a huge unknown. So is the unknown that the Jimmy G-led 49ers offense is going to be super efficient. Like, that's also an unknown. And if I think about what is most consistent, it's going to be – Russell Wilson being corny as fuck and also being really good at playing football. Like whether they let him throw 20 or 30 times, I'm pretty confident he'll be very good at it when he does it.
2: Yeah. The, the Rams part is, I, I think that to me is the most interesting thing um, what to expect out of their offense because their, their offense used to be really good. Like in, in 2017 and 2018, they had Jared Goff as a quarterback and they were an extremely efficient offense for, almost two seasons until they fell, up, fell off at the end. And you kind of have to do in your mind what caused them to fall off since then. And if some of that is because uh, defensive coaches learn how to counteract what McVay wants to do, if some of that is because of their talent drain um, with receivers and offensive line, like that's not the quarterback. So changing quarterbacks isn't going to fix those parts. So you really have to think that Jared Goff just got a lot worse at football over time and that Matt Stafford is a lot better than him. And that that's basically the argument for the Rams with the presumed defensive regression coming And It just, it seems like so many unknowns to bank on for a team. Yeah.
1: Ben, I, I sort of, you know, you're, you've, t- you've attacked so much of football analytically and, and it's one of those, but the place I, I think. Attack like, is the right word, by the way. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I and I, in a good way. Um, but i think quarterback play is one where if i'm looking at the landscape of people i, I trust sort of your judgment and it, you know i think you take a i think you take the data and you you aggregate it and ensemble it in a way that very rarely people do that right give yeah, like
2: yeah. aside th- from you guys but yeah <laughs> i mean
1: uh, so <laughs> no. so hold on real quick i just
0: got i always enjoy when people that i respect like retweet something from pfs yeah, yeah. main account and, and whatever and you, i think we had a, something on like accurate throw rate right <laughs> and ben retweets it with how can anyone ever take a non-depth adjusted stat yeah. seriously? And it always chuckle, I always chuckle when I see that because, like, yeah, obviously, but like, have you seen NFL fans? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, like, I, I, yeah, and that's the hard part. But like, I think for for when the audience is somebody like me, yes, I think that Ben does a fantastic job of aggregating and understanding and and modeling the the quarterback position. And I feel like you and I have a similar opinion on Stafford but can you ex- can you give me a reason for either side like let's say that he's not as good as we all think versus he's good as all the scouts think cuz I I I want to I have an opinion of him but I want to sort of hear yours Ben so
2: this might be a bad way to kind of make mental decisions but a lot of my quote unquote anti-Stafford opinion is that like a lot of the arguments in his favor just don't hold up. Like like people say that he's had an awful offensive line or he doesn't have any receivers and like the list goes on and on. But if you look at, um, if you compare like for example, pass block grades with the Lions last year and the Rams last year, like it's not like the situation in that respect is going to get much better. It's not like the Rams have meaningfully better receivers than the Lions did last year. So like one of the arguments is that stafford's efficiency numbers aren't impressive because he's been in a terrible situation well the situation hasn't been that bad he had calvin johnson golden tate marvin jones uh kenny galladay and like daryl bevel's probably not a top tier offensive coordinator but he's also not terrible and you would think that if if somebody is as good as a lot of people say that stafford is you would think that he would have more than one great half season over a 12-year career or whatever and I might be very wrong and, and McVay might unlock something new in him but I, I I think the the most likely outcome is him being somewhere in between in, in terms of in terms of how good the Rams offense is somewhere in between what we saw in the early and in the later McVay era
1: yeah and I and I don't know if that's good enough right like I don't yeah. know I think everybody is sort of saying Okay, the Rams must have done this to win a Super Bowl. And and we know Stafford's better than Goff. And they're saying, and they're trying to square the circle with saying, okay, so then Stafford's clearly that good, right? Which Mm -hmm. I reject, I think, on 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 its face. And I think Ben, you make a great point because here's the thing. Since Stafford, Stafford got to play with three first-round pick tight ends during his career, Brandon Pettigrew, Eric Ebron, and <laughs> and, and, uh, and Taylor Hawk, or, uh, uh, Hawkinson, right? TJ. TJ Hawkinson. Yes. So you're talking about three first-round pick tight ends. Yeah, By the incredible. way, Brandon Pettigrew, the former teammate of Zach Robinson, uh, who used to work with us, he got to play with Calvin Johnson, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, Golden Tate, uh, Danny Amendola, We're talking, this isn't a, this isn't a a dearth of wide receivers. Mm. They all, they all gravitate to the fact that he, he he didn't get to play with great running backs. Well, but you know, Matthew (laughs) Stafford was very Andrew luck-like in starting the house on fire and then, and then going a decent amount of way to, to put out the fire and being like, Hey mom, look what I did with no running game. It's like, no, (laughs) that's, that's your part of the problem. And, and to, to the point of the offensive line, Taylor Decker's a first round pick. Frank Ragnow is a first round pick. Um, Riley Reef was a first round pick. They weren't like uh, this. There have been much worse offensive lines in the NFL than what Stafford had to deal with. And I'll put another part. I know that the coaching wasn't great, but Jim Caldwell was a good head coach. Like we're not we're not talking about, you know, uh, Adam Gase here. So let
0: me play a little devil's advocate because. I, the The supporting cast one Ben is like it's a I don't know why people act like he has not had a good supporting cast. It blows my mind. His receivers that he has had over the course of time have arguably been better than what he'll have in in Los Angeles. Now they'll be very different receivers, and that I think is going to be interesting because Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones were guys that you know separation and throwing into open you know windows was not really something he dealt a lot with, and presumably in LA he he will. Um, But I want to get back to the coaching thing because the ones, the the separator between Stafford and Goff statistically, and I'm interested to hear other ones that you um, have looked at Ben, but it's like, it's the big time throws, right? And it's like, he just has made a higher rate of those significantly in his career. And those are things while they're not stable, as we talk about Eric, it's like, you need the opportunity to make them. And I, I don't think McVay was scheming an offense where they weren't there, but but Goff wasn't making them as much. And you see that if you look at where he threw the ball. So one argument would be, yeah, Goff actually turned into a huge, you know, uh, wuss, couldn't throw those passes, and Matt Stafford will, and they'll be fantastic.
2: Yeah, and I don't think we should rule that out as a possibility. Um, and a, another, I, I think we had this discussion Um, in the preview last year and like we know that um, play under pressure is pretty unstable um, for most quarterbacks but Jared Goff is like perhaps uniquely terrible at this so like another differentiator between them is that Stafford can actually survive if the if conditions aren't perfect so yeah there's definitely arguments um, and I'm sure a lot of people within the Rams uh, organization um, have very high opinions of, of, Stafford to go out and do this and ev- even have some sense of relief to not have to be coaching Jared Goff anymore. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens. Uh,
0: you know what I, I think would be kind of interesting is um, if you go through the quarterbacks, like where, where does Stafford end up? Um, so Ben, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to name a quarterback and you tell me if Stafford is, better or worse in your mind. And think of it like if I were adding points to a point spread, right? Who would, you know, who's going to add more Stafford or this quarterback? Is this
2: like on a random team or in the environment of being coached by their current?
0: Oh, um, in their current environments. Okay. That'll probably make it easier for you. I think here we go. Matt Stafford or Kyler Murray.
2: Oh man, that's hard. Yeah. So the, the Murray cliff kingsbury marriage is like if every team has a huge question mark in the nfc west i, I think that's that's the one for the cardinals so um uh I'll, i feel terrible about this but i guess i'll say Stafford. <laughs> yeah. all right
0: um that's there's a reason i started with that one um matt stafford or Jameis winston
2: You're doing a really good job of making me say Stafford while hitting the pick because I don't feel strongly between that. But yeah, I'll say I'll say Stafford again.
0: Okay, good for you. Sorry, Matt, Timo. Matt Stafford or Justin Herbert?
2: Uh, I'll take Herbert there.
0: Okay. Matt Stafford or Derek Carr? Uh, Carr. Matt Stafford or Lamar Jackson? Jackson. Uh, Mayfield? Mayfield. Mayfield. did I kill Ben
2: oh. <laughs> am I am I still here yeah, yeah i yeah. got you oh, okay
0: uh Matt Stafford Sorry. or Baker Mayfield Mayfield okay um Kirk Cousins <laughs>
2: uh I Kirk Cousins
0: <laughs> Matt, Matt Stafford or Matt Ryan Ryan Matt Stafford or Dak Prescott
2: Prescott Okay. Prescott, am I cutting out?
0: Uh, a little bit, but it's okay. okay. We're battling
2: through. Um, you...
0: Okay, Matt Sorry. Stafford or Josh Allen?
2: Josh Allen. Okay.
0: I think at that point we've gotten through. I mean, the other ones that are left are obviously Russell Wilson, who we're taking over. Matt Stafford, yep. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. Um,
2: you didn't ask me, Jimmy Garoppolo.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a reason. Uh, okay, let me ask you that. Jimmy G, Jimmy G slash Trey Lance. It's a combo platter. I don't know if you know that. That's what you're getting.
2: If I'm if I'm choosing between those quarterbacks in the 49ers offense or Matt Stafford in the Rams offense, I I think I would take the 49ers.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, think about it. One of them has a chip on his shoulder because they drafted a guy at three, and one yeah. has a chip in his
0: thumb. That's true. Here's one more: Matt Stafford or Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill. It's official. You hate Matthew Stafford.
2: <laughs> that, that's
0: all I can uh, I can I can take from it. Um, let, let's go back to um, uh, the Seahawks for just a moment here, and then we'll move on to the Niners. Um, is this this team used to be, you know, defined by defense? No longer is that the case anymore. They're defined by offense. What is their offense going to be like? This year, because last year, it feels like so long ago, Ben, that the let Russ cook thing was happening, and I was like on this podcast, like so happy about it. That feels like seven years ago. Then they 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 just torpedoed. What does it look like this
2: year? Yeah, I, I think um, that that's the big question mark for the Seahawks. Um, and and when thinking about that, it's hard not to think back to. Uh, the press conference that Pete Carroll gave right after the season where like all he could talk about was how they needed to run the ball more and run the ball better and teams were playing these two high looks against them and and to get them out of these looks they need to run the ball so um, and they fired I guess fired they parted ways with their offensive coordinator due to philosophical differences where apparently Brian Schottenheimer was too aggressive for Pete Carroll so Given all that, a lot of time has passed since then, and I think some people have forgotten like exactly what happened after the season. So, um, yeah, it, it's easy to have some optimism because of Shane Waldron and coming from McVay's system, but if, if Pete Carroll is going to remain who Pete Carroll is, I, I think it's still going to put a ceiling on exactly how good the offense could be, even, even if they um, are somewhat better schematically. There's, there's just that... that P. Carroll does not want to turn the ball over and he wants to run the ball a lot. So there, there's a limit to how good an offense can be if you're
1: operating in those constraints. Yeah, it's so weird, right? Because on one end, when you think about Seattle, you think about the the quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks is the most bankable thing in this entire division, full stop, not even close. And, and I think the second most bankable thing in this division is that Pete Carroll is going to optimized for something completely different than the rest of us want him to. Yep. And how and the 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 random whoever wins that random tug of war is generally speaking, going to, to dictate how the Seahawks do, mm-hmm. whether they are a nine and 17, which I always think is, well, Nine and eighteen, which I think is their floor, or whether they're a thirteen and four team, which I think they're certainly capable of. This isn't one of been the least talented Seahawks teams you've ever seen, right?
2: No, they're. It's definitely a, a step down from the glory days, obviously. But since since then, it's probably been kind of a, a stable talent level uh, over the past few years. Um, they they have not had a lot of draft picks recently because of the Jamal Adams trade um, and other trades. So like, I, I don't think their roster is super impressive, but it's not, um, it, yeah, it, it's not devoid of talent, especially on offense. They have, like, the the high-end players at key positions that uh, would potentially allow them to be very good on that side of the ball.
0: I, we had some debate about Russell Wilson over the past couple of months. Um, talking about him versus Dak Prescott, him versus Josh Allen, like, you know, how, how would you – Kind of order those guys, and since we were talking about quarterbacks, I'll ask you. You know, when you look at it statistically, and you do a very good job, as Eric said, of looking at quarterbacks statistically and not overweighing other things. Um, where would you put him relative to those two guys? Um, kind of in a vacuum here, like better quarterback: Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott.
2: I think I would say. Russell Wilson, just because he has a longer track record of um playing at a high level, um, if Josh Allen had another season like 2020, then I, I think the, the answer would probably uh be him sooner rather than later. Um and, and with, with Dak, uh, this is on me, but it's just hard to think about him until I see him play at full health um post injury.
1: Yeah, it's a fair point. Well, and, and the thing with Dak, and like I think that it's not wrong to say this, but He was not an elite quarterback until 2019. And even in 2019, there were frustrating aspects of rooting for him, right? They still went eight and eight. They still lost games that were close. And last season, he was amazing, but they were losing games too. Mm -hmm. And not to say that wins and losses in a short sample mean anything for quarterbacks, but there is sort of this. I think understandable pullback, right? When guys like Josh Allen became elite, they won football games. When Patrick Mahomes became elite, he won football games. And so, not to say that it's the mo- it's rational, but I think I can understand somebody pulling back a, a little bit on Dak and saying, "Is there something?" Because it, it was taking sacks for a while for him. Mm-hmm. It was you know turning the ball over sometimes for him for a, a little bit. And you know, it seems like over the last year and a half, he's put it all together. But, you know, yeah, Yeah, I
2: I think what um, what Cowboys fans would say to that would be that like his receiving options uh, in 2017 and then in 2018 before the Amari Cooper trade were perhaps uniquely bad. Like he just had nobody to throw to. Um, And and I I think Cowboys fans would say, well, look, look what Josh Allen did when he didn't have receiving threats. He was really bad, too. And now that uh, now that Dak actually has wide receivers, he's been a lot better. So. Maybe, maybe these two are more susceptible to changes in supporting cast than Russell Wilson, who's been consistent for a very long time.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, cause the thing that I would point to currently is that Russell Wilson takes so many more sacks, you know, relative, yep. especially to Dak Prescott, um, and that it's funny to think about that because you know, that, that was a big knock on Dak at one point, but he has really improved that dramatically over the course of his career. And with Russell Wilson, it's kind of that like fly in the ointment, Like he holds on to the ball, he takes a ton of sacks. A lot of his passing numbers are immaculate, but takes a ton of sacks. And you know, we had Benjamin Solak on here and he made you know, kind of the case for Dak Prescott. He was like, Dak Prescott is an elite quarterback, watch the way that he diagnoses defenses. And some of the data, you know, really does bear that out. His performance against the blitz, his sack rate under pressure, um, are, are all things that are pretty impressive. Um, let me uh, let's get, move on from the Seahawks. But we'll do so in this way: their win total, I believe, is nine and a half. You wrote a great article on the Athletic um, talking about their their win total. I'm going to make you choose right now: would you bet that they go over nine and a half or under?
2: I think over um, just because of what we talked about, it it should be bankable that they have a pretty good offense, and if if they can manage an average defense, then that would be enough. Um, and it's something we haven't talked about is um, the schedule that this entire division plays, um, which includes the AFC South. So um, that, that should be helpful for um, all of these teams. Uh, and then I'm I'm blanking on um, the NFC division. So uh, hopefully it'll come to me at some point, but. Uh, I I remember looking at this and the division is going to be hard, but there should be winnable games outside the division. So
1: they have the NFC North, I believe, which,
2: okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's, there's definitely a a decent number of games that they can win. Just, just from their kind of out of division games that I, I I would be pretty surprised if they didn't get to 10 wins, uh, even if, I don't think it's likely that they exceed that by a lot.
1: you think that they petition the league so that they can wear the neon green, the action green, in Minnesota this year uh, (laughs) to keep the streak alive?
2: Yeah, it's going to be weird. Not only not action green, but not a primetime game. It it feels like every season we've had a a Vikings at Seahawks primetime game, which has not felt very fair (laughs) to to the Vikings, so uh, I'm going to miss that.
1: Uh, I mean, the thing is, is like for a Seahawks team that finds a way to never play a normal game, the Vikings are always like the silly team in those games. Yeah. Weirdly. <laughs> it, it's
0: funny talking about nine and a half, nine and a half feels low. Um, I agree with you. And I don't know. There are probably a few other teams. I mean, the chiefs and the bucks come to mind, obviously, but like a non-Super Bowl favorite with as narrow a kind of like set of outcomes. Like I, it's hard to imagine the bottom falling out. Like Russell Wilson is that good. It's also hard to imagine Pete Carroll orchestrating a team with an offense that's good enough with that bad or mediocre of a defense to be like a 14 win team.
1: Yeah, It's really, but you look at this, this, this team though, you look at the defense and it's not a lot of great players, right? They've been this way kind of forever where it's Wagner Adams. I, w- I still consider a great player defensive line. You're hoping that some, one of these edge players comes up big, right? Hmm. And on, on corner, you have Akella Witherspoon, right? Like So it, th- that's going to be the thing they're constantly covering up for. But you're right. I mean, the crazy thing is is how narrow the band is at quarterback. I mean, you just know Wilson's going to have – on a game-to-game level, Wilson is fairly erratic, but on the season level, he's extremely narrow as far as his distribution is. And that, that, that I think, is good enough to win enough, a lot of games for the offense.
0: Let's let's talk Niners here, um, and, and let's start at let's start at quarterback. Actually, when you what was your reaction when you saw the Niners take Trey Lance?
2: So the,
1: the
2: the biggest reaction was disappointment. Just from a what would be the funniest outcome? Would it obviously it it would be them taking Mac Jones. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, but yeah, for, for your sake, I'm glad that didn't happen. And just, just for like the, uh, football want to see this happen. The, the Shanahan Lance pairing, I, I think is, is very intriguing. And I, I, I'm hoping we get to see that, um, sooner rather than later. So, um, setting aside the initial disappointment, being, being misled by all those reports, um, leading up to that. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see, um, Lance, once he actually gets on the field, and, and the question is when when that will actually happen, and whether that will be this year at all, if, if Jimmy G stays healthy.
0: What What would you do? I mean, I think both of us are pretty clear on what we would do, but what What, what would you do if you were um, Kyle Shannon?
2: So, if I traded that many picks for Lance and Jimmy G, getting rid of Jimmy G could free up twenty five million. Then I I think the decision is pretty obvious. You. You bolster your roster by um, opening up that cap space and um, shake Jimmy G's hand and and tell him thanks for the work he put in and um, turn your franchise over to Lance as long as as he just doesn't look completely unprepared.
0: Yeah, I'm of the mind that they're still trying to trade Jimmy. And so like playing him is going to give them that opportunity to showcase his talents and then trade him away. I know that that's wishful thinking and I'm being completely bamboozled and they actually believe that they can like make it to the playoffs with him. And so they're going to give it a try. And they think resting you just know, having Trey Lance sit for a second year, that would be bananas. You're drafting at the third overall pick and he doesn't play for two straight years. Yeah. You know, Cause he didn't play at North coast. Saban, so like, it's, it's nuts. Um, I
1: don't get why th- this, this Lance situation like, <sighs> The, the hard part was is why was the Mac Jones thing why was the Mac Jones thing a thing because mm. everybody looked at at Shanahan and said you've only had one winning season uh, quarterback play is really like I I joke with you sometimes because you give me shit for not having Shanahan on that list mm. and I give you shit because he doesn't win but like the the thing the thing is is like the reason they have not won is because of uncertainty at quarterback because mm. of noise at quarterback and instead of that was why the Mac Jones think thing did not like it didn't it wasn't a zero out of 10 for me, right? It was like a three out of 10 because Mac Jones was going to be this competent player at price. The problem I don't I, I don't understand this and Ben, please enlighten me on this. instead of going with a quarterback who has a humongous ceiling, but also a fairly decent floor in Justin Fields you go instead to a guy who has the lowest floor of the class and granted the highest ceiling. Does that make sense?
2: I think the, the Justin Fields question is something that like is definitely a mystery to me. And I, am not sure we will know the answer and especially not in the near term, but it, it's not just the 49ers that didn't like fields. So they're either there's something about his game or something about, whatever off field stuff, which those reports are often not even reliable, uh, even the information that the teams collect. So uh, like if I were the 49ers, would I pick Justin Fields? Uh, maybe, uh, he certainly has the, the history of production and, and pedigree in college, but uh, I'm also not a scout and I don't know why um, all these other teams also passed on fields. Like the, the, the Falcons, Broncos and Panthers, like I, I, I just have no idea and lions, like I have no idea what they're doing.
1: Yeah, we did see that in the in the uh, text analytics stuff where you look at the. He did have the worst text analytics score by a country mile. The like there there is, and I there are people I talked to in the league who like thought he was a second or third round pick, and it's just like I don't get it, right? Like I just don't see it. But as you said, Ben, there were there were there was a bunch of intelligence that didn't have him there. We talked about this on the last podcast, George. But Ben, I want to hear your, if you're running an NFL team, let's say you are the Panthers at eight or the Broncos at nine and Fields comes to you with that pick. I still don't think you can take a corner there. I I think you have to get out of that pick because the opportunity cost is just so immense. Like, what do you think?
2: Yeah. I I listened to the discussion and, agreed with all of it so I I don't I really don't have anything to add here other than I it's just crazy what some of these teams are doing
1: because because you cannot like fields and that's one thing and I don't I don't necessarily agree with taking him because if you take him and don't believe in him then it's it's going to muddy the waters a little bit but you don't I just the way that the market is it's like you know George talks about burgers all the time it's like going (laughs) to in and out like and and spending fifty dollars on the burger it's like the opportunity cost was not to do that and to do something else. And yeah, you have
2: to be completely ignorant about any modern research on draft curves and draft value and all this stuff. But we knew that we know that anyway, because the, the Broncos also traded up in the second round to draft a running back. So. Yeah. <laughs> right, What's right.
0: interesting about that to me is that the, If there's something off the field, because like, I think it's hard to watch him play the quarterback position and be like, yeah, this guy's like a third round pick. Like, that's tough. So you assume someone hears something, you know, from off the field. But if a team is not even smart enough in that situation to not take a corner, how would you expect them to interpret correctly stories they're told from like. I don't know, athletic, you know, like random athletic trainers at like Georgia Pro Days or something. Yeah. Like that's the thing that it's tough for me. It's like, okay, some dude told you that he like didn't come to, you know, optional workouts like four years ago or something like that. Like I, I'm trying to get what kind of a what kind of a story you would hear where some things would be like, we need a quarterback, but there's no way we're taking him. Presumably the Bears got the same information. And the Bears were like, no, no, no we'll trade up to get him. Okay, it doesn't make sense to me.
2: Yeah, that, that's a good point. The, the, the same teams that we saying Justin Fields fell because the NFL, quote unquote, the NFL valued him this way. Well, these teams are also making decisions that like, are indefensible. So we probably shouldn't put their views on a pedestal um, in every case.
1: Do you think that this also stems and we're, we're getting far fleet here, but do you think this also extends to this idea? And maybe Shanahan, I will give Shanahan credit here because maybe Thank he's. You. Maybe he's fine. Maybe this is the admission of what we all already know, but the league doesn't act upon properly. Do you think people in the league just simply undervalue quarterbacks? Like everybody will say, oh, quarterback's the most important position, but they don't act like it sometimes. And they don't act like it in the in the order of magnitude that's necessary. Because if Trey Lance hits, no one gives a no one cares how much they paid for that pick. Mm-hmm. Like no one cares that the Chiefs traded Tradavius White's pick for Patrick Mahomes like literally it does not matter and I and when the when the Eagles won a Super Bowl with Wentz like no one cares that they traded all that much money for Mm -hmm. Wentz no one really cares that the Rams did that for Goff either because when you have that sustained success like the price is worth it for a QB Ben do you think that just some teams don't get it
2: yeah I I think that's definitely the case and another factor is that these teams a lot of these teams talked themselves into other options too. So, like the, the the Panthers traded for Sam Darnold, and maybe after that they're like, okay, we're not in the quarterback market anymore. So maybe they would say, oh look, we're valuing quarterbacks because we went out and got a quarterback. But the maybe Sam Darnold's a bad example because he's so young and has been in a terrible situation. But you would probably think that his range of outcomes doesn't include the likelihood of, of hitting a high ceiling like um, Justin Fields would, given what we seen of, of Darnold in this. And obviously you could say all of this for uh, Drew Locke and the Broncos too. So um, it, it, teams are not acting in a way that is um, consistent with, I guess, maximizing the the probability of, of being great. And, and to do that, you need to have a high-end quarterback.
1: And to and bring this back to the NFC West, the crazy thing is, is, they don't see what the C like everybody's all like, Oh, look at the Packers. They only won one Super Bowl with Rogers. Oh, look at the Seahawks. blah, Blah, But we just spent 10, 15 minutes talking about how the Seahawks are kind of a dumpster fire in a lot of ways. Right. But the worst they've ever done with Wilson is nine and seven and they've only, and that was the one year they missed the playoffs and like teams try so hard to sort of get on the green, this Teddy Bridgewater decision in Denver, um, you know the Kirk Cousins decision in Minnesota, et cetera, et cetera. Trying so hard to sort of get on the green, and they don't realize that if you absolutely nail the quarterback position, you will be on the green as as a default. That's your that's your y intercept. Mm. Like I don't get what you know. Like I I still don't even get like where they're not even. You know, we we sometimes say they're not reaching for the stars enough, but honestly, like the floor too. When your quarterback is that good, the Seahawks are the the shining example of of how good you can be when your quarterback is that great. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's a, it's a really good point, and that's I think an interesting thing about the Trey Lance
0: pick, and in some ways, the lack of knowing anything about him. Yeah, does it does it? You know, it's like. I don't know much, but I've seen this guy play, you know, a, a few games and I can, I know the ceiling is not so, but also with athleticism like that, there is a bit of a floor there that is higher, I think, than maybe a lot of other guys with a bunch of unknowns. And I think the same is true of, of fields. But when you look at those two guys in comparison and, and you think about, yeah, I do believe Trey Lance has a higher ceiling. I think the floors might be a little closer than than some may think because of the athleticism. Um okay, Niners, 10 and a half. That's their line. That's their win total. Benjamin, over or under 10 and a half.
2: So, I uh, I I would say under and uh, I'll give the case against them and then and then you can tell me why I'm, I'm an idiot and I'm wrong and um, a 49 Niners hater. Okay. okay, so I, so I think people are taking basically throwing out last season and and saying the last time we saw a healthy 49ers team they were in the Super Bowl and um, even if Jimmy G plays this year uh, last time Jimmy G played they were in the Super Bowl but um, as we mentioned earlier they they've lost a lot of pieces from that team Uh, DeForest Buckner's gone Richard Sherman's gone their defensive coordinator's gone so I don't think in our minds that we should be thinking of the 49ers as this elite defense. We haven't seen Nick Bosa after his um, ACL tear. Hopefully he'll be back 200%, but it's not always a guarantee in someone's first season back. So like their defense could be good. It was good last year, even with a lot of injuries, but it's not a guarantee. And then uh, on the other side, there's, it's it's a Kyle Shanahan offense. So it, it might be pretty good, but it's still, um, Jimmy G hasn't been the healthiest guy, and, and behind him, Trey Lance might be great eventually, but he's still a rookie quarterback. So I, I, I think there's a lot of uncertainty there for uh, a a ten and a half win team.
0: Just the lack of faith between the two of you in mind <laughs> that has ever walked uh, the earth here is just it's 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 sad to see honestly. I,
1: I think the Niners are a perfect example of what would be like a points bet. If you want to bet the over on the Niners, bet them in. Like, well, I get your. So here's
0: what I was going to say about them. Yeah, they they have, and your point Ben is a really good one. People assume that that defense is going to be really good. I don't know why. (laughs) What? Why would you assume that they're going to be like a top five defense? I, I think that's bananas. You have lost corners you're relying on Jason Brett. are you serious you're relying on that guy to, to be healthy for a season Nick Bosa also has continuously gotten injured relying on him but i will say this if Trey Lance is good then this offense could be the best offense in the NFL that's their offensive line is unbelievable they have incredible weapons and Trey Lance with in Kyle Shanahan's system it, it would be In my opinion, potentially amazing. The problem with that is that we also look at the Kansas City Chiefs of a few years back, and we assume that guys with incredible athleticism and a hose for an arm can come in and be amazing right from the jump. And as we've seen in some of these preseason games, I I think that's kind of that's a little bit of a stretch. So to me, this is a classic year too early thing with the San Francisco 49ers. I too would, would take the under if I had to take one side of them. But I, I, I'll say this the ceiling on the Niners is the highest in this division, in my opinion. And their offense, even if they don't win the division, I think has a really good shot to be the best offense
1: in the division. How many situations, George, are you coming out of the? See, this is where this is my start Trey Lance argument. I know he's hurt, but let's assume he wasn't. How many circumstances with Trey Lance playing is this a bad season for the Niners?
0: Oh, it's an interesting question. Um,
1: bad season being like below five hundred. Yeah. Um. Wow. I wouldn't even say bad because what if they're fi- below five hundred, but he's great? Like this is my point. With the first year, you if and I, Trey Lance together, is great. They will not be below five hundred. The 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 answer to your first question is why does everybody think their defense is great? It's because their schedule is ass. Like that's, that's 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 a very good point. Easiest schedule. In the that's why people believe their defense will be great because defense is basic. Defense is one fifth how good you are and four fifths who you play. I think, and and that's why. But like I'm sort of like our first year of covering football together was the 2017 Niners who finished the season on five game win right. streak and. I did what they were at six and 10. You couldn't tell what their schedule was or their, their record was that year because no one gave a hell because they were a team on the rise and, yeah, they finished strong and they finished strong. I think with, with Lance expectations are sort of whatever. Yeah. They're You're, probably not winning the Super Bowl with Lance, but they're probably coming out of the year. Think unless he's completely terrible, they're coming out of the year with a lot of enthusiasm. I feel I, like that's how I will say this.
0: And Ben, I, this is my, This is the one thing that gives me hesitation if I were to bet the under. If Trey Lance plays, that means that he is going to run the football, and having a running quarterback is an incredibly useful thing if if used correctly. And with that, like if he he didn't do that in the preseason, and he made some some questionable throws here and there, but I do look at that and I go, man, if they actually leverage him as a running quarterback. The floor is so high. Their offense could be incredible.
2: Yeah, I yeah, I think all that's fair. the, the ceiling is very high with Lance, and and even the floor too. And I, i've I've seen i I've seen Kyle Shanahan uh, take Nick Mullins and have him throw for four hundred yards against the Seahawks. So I'm I'm well aware of uh, what what he can do. And um, it, yeah, it's it's just a a question of whether Jimmy G plays, and then um, if he doesn't for the whole season. Um, how Lance looks when he does go in, but like, would you be surprised if Jimmy G just played the whole season?
0: Um, I would be, I-, I would be surprised. And the reason I'd be surprised is that would mean that John Lynch, uh, has, has fled the country <laughs> is living in, in exile, because if Trey Lance doesn't play this year, the entire, um, northern part of california is going to riot i mean it like absolutely going to riot you can't and i and i think justifiably so they paid an absurd price for trey lance this is not waiting at pick 15 taking mac jones and then being like you know what we're gonna send him behind shimmy g this is moving heaven and earth you don't have first round picks as eric has astutely pointed out going forward so like what exactly are you doing if you're not putting him out there and playing him? Um, I, I would be surprised. Would I be surprised if it took to like week 10? No. And I think that's the that, that's the bummer. Um, who? So we talked a little bit about the Rams. Of those three, how would you order them? We, we talked, you know, like if you had to pick the favorite, second favorite, third favorite, Ben, how would you do that for those three?
2: I think so. My real answer is that I, I think they're all pretty much the same um, just cuz they all have question marks in different places whether it's from coaching or personnel or whatever. If I if I had a gun to my head and had to I absolutely had to order them, I would probably say Seahawks, 49ers, Rams, Cardinals.
0: Okay. Um, I think that's I think that's fair. Is that how you do Derek?
1: Yeah. It's I,
0: it's tough, man. Though, yeah. right? Like, and I think um, I, I don't know. I think all three of these teams make it into the playoffs. Actually,
1: mm-hmm. and I don't think here's the here's the crazy thing. I think they both win against the Cardinals a lot. The Cardinals, Malcolm Butler just retired. Mm-hmm. Um, who's the other guy? They also had a, they had another defensive back that left.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to talk about AJ Green. Retiring in Ernest
1: Peterson. <laughs> Patrick Peterson left, but they replaced him he with Malcolm bad. Butler. And Malcolm Butler just retired. retired, but they also had somebody else in their secondary that I want to say either got injured or they drafted a linebacker. And again. they drafted two linebackers the last two years in round one. They they lost Asan Reddick, who was actually good for them last year. Um they do get with JJ Watt, but he's a little older. I they don't let DeAndre Hopkins move from Yeah. Their offensive line overseas. isn't like Murray's, Murray was good last year until he got hurt. Like, there was that. But you have the Cliff Kingsbury not knowing that there are four. He's the, he's a Canadian football coach. He thinks yeah. there's three downs. And then you have defense who I think all of these offenses can shred up. That just increases the chances that these top three teams make the playoffs. Like, because Arizona went from a team that was very plucky and good last year to being, you know, not so much this year.
0: So, Ben, what do you think about the Kyler Cliff Cardinals?
1: Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm very much not a scheme expert, but it seems like like both from my novice eye watching them and, and the people who actually are experts, it, it just seems like there's um, like there's no stress placed on defense. There's no mystery to what they're going to do. And they just uh, like they don't make things easy for themselves in the way that the Rams and 49ers do. So um, I, I think it's given his situation, I think it's pretty hard to tell like how good Kyler actually is. And, um, it, it would be nice to see him in, in a different system that perhaps better utilizes his strengths. But, um, I, this, this is what they're stuck with right now.
0: That's actually really interesting because we've talked about where Kyler needs to improve, like from the throwing the football standpoint. And it's actually interesting, like looking at where Russell Wilson throws the football and where Kyler Murray throws the football and both of them are like averse to throwing the ball over the middle of the field. And then you go look at, um, Jimmy G and the 49ers, like,
2: (laughs) is there
0: there something we don't know? Like, because Jimmy G who's nowhere near the quarterback that Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson is, is, is finding all these open receivers over the middle of the field. And like that does bring you back to like, well, maybe it's not the quarterback, Um, is so, so is the best move for the, the Cardinals then to like say, okay, Cliff, this is the year? You either figure it out or we're moving on.
2: Yeah, I it it's a hard, it's a hard thing to say when the other teams in your division are all expected to be above 500. So um, like it, it's a pretty high bar for them to meet. But if if they don't show improvement, then I think they they really have to ask the question of who who can get the most out of kyler cuz that's really in the long run how how well kyler turns out is going to determine how they do
0: yeah it, it I, I do feel like we don't know a lot about him yet though
1: yeah it's it's weird i think cliff is very much the coach that can get you from being bad to being okay um but man in this division that's not good enough man
0: it, but it, it the, the interesting thing is as we just talked about like kyler murray is probably the second
1: in this division, the second most se- talented. For second
0: sure. most talented. And, you know, if you put, if you put Kyler Murray on the Rams, people would be having, they'd be fainting on the streets of Los Angeles.
1: How many quarterbacks has that been set up, by the way? Like, we're, we're legitimately getting, you know, if you put Matthew Stafford on the ramp, but like, it, that is a good point. If you do put Murray on a, so like, the issue is that there, and you talk about, Maybe it's not so much the quarterback, and I agree with that. And that's part of the thing we talked about on Twitter with Ben yesterday, which is the number of plays where a quarterback quarterback's true talent, however we measure that, mm-hmm. is explicitly there, shrink is shrinking because the gap between the the coach is becoming increasingly more of a part of the equation, and I think. Kingsbury unfortunately is one of those coaches where it's sort of like roll the ball, ball out there and let the talent sort itself out and that's that's like playing with a hand tied behind your back in today's NFL mm-hmm. right like the cardinals will go as murray as murray goes and you can't say, you don't even say that about the chiefs like the chiefs make life easier on mahomes And if, if I can't, if you can't see saying like, if you can't see that that's true and, and if you're not making that true about your quarterback and you're, you're missing out, like that's like, and and I fear that that's like the eventual fate for the Cardinals in this division, which is a tough one.
0: The Arizona Cardinals win total is 8.5. Ben. I'm
2: trying to remember what I've said now. I guess it feels weird to say under on three out of four teams in a division, but I guess I'll say under.
0: It's inc- What's actually incredible about that is that you are one of the more um, honest with yourself, you know, fans about your team. Like I tried to do the same thing with the Niners, you know, but you have come on this podcast and gone over on the Seahawks and under on the other three teams. So done. congratulations. <laughs> You're there are going to be um, Seahawks fans who are going to be in the comments thanking you for your service. (laughs) We're with you, brother. We love you. Do you remember those? uh, (laughs) Those comments are incredible. Um, Uh,
1: By the way, we have the Cardinals at 8.4 wins. So in this case, we probably would go under, but the, but the market is fairly, fairly good on them.
0: Yeah. It'll be fascinating to watch um, the Murray thing. We'll be right back with uh, our esteemed guest, but, um, you know it's still kind of hot outside. Mm-hmm. You know what that means. You got to you got to keep you got to keep everything <laughs> trimmed. It's important. It's really important, especially in the summer. I like. So this is if you need something to help you out with that, Manscaped has got you covered. But I just want to tell a, a little story about why it's so important. I, I've I've done some traveling on some planes lately, and you know when you get the the exit row and they don't have like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So it blocks sure. your legs. I'm a, I got,
1: I got big legs, so yeah. I'm an exit row guy. So
0: you're you're aware of prepare, right? yeah. So the exit row is nice; it gives you more room to stretch vertically, but horizontally you can't. You're kind of cramped. Mm-hmm. You need to be you need to be trimmed up, and you need the the things that manscaped provides you that really help everything air out a little bit. So, uh, comfort is at a premium. You need the Manscaped, uh, perform. they call it the performance package, 4.0. What that really means is it comes with the lawnmower and also the crop reviver, the toner, the crop preserver. Basically, it's ball deodorant. Got to be really honest with you. That's what it is. It's cooling. It's fantastic. And if I didn't have it, uh, traveling would suck a lot more. I got to tell you, we got our
1: Manscapes in. Did you, did you have you used? Well, so I, I needed it one day because Good. me and Ben Brown the the host of the PFF betting podcast we we were going to record the podcast but we had under 17 and a half on Kansas City versus Arizona in week 2 of the preseason and Kansas City was driving they had to th- they had to thread a very thin needle to end the game without scoring mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever had a better application of ball deodorant in my life than that. When you're sweating out a game, you're we sweating out these unders. Manscaped is there for you.
0: That's incredible. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. You like 20- we, we
1: delayed the the recording of the podcast just to make sure that that bet hit, so that we weren't mm-hmm. on air on tilt, upset. So my
0: my points are: the other thing is it's easy to travel with. The battery lasts for a really long time. It has a light. It's a really good product. I use it myself on my own body. So if that's not enough for you, then uh, nothing I can do for you. You get 20% off manscaped.com with the promo code PFF. It is, uh, if you don't have something to do this with, then this is the time to start. Okay, so go make it happen. Manscaped.com. Ben, before we let you go, we have a segment that we do with all of the guests that we bring on this Steam show. Um, It's called Recommendations. Uh, Eric and I... uh, most episodes will give recommendation based on, you know, it could be a podcast to listen to food. We ate, uh, methodology we're trying uh, Eric recommended contacts. Cause he just got contacts, got rid of glasses. Um, give uh, us and uh, our lovely listeners a recommendation.
2: Okay. So this is going to be applicable to a, a very small subset of listeners. So I apologize to everybody else, but um, when the pandemic started, we got a, uh, bike trailer for my bike. So basically, we we put the kids in a bike trailer, and then my wife and I just go on a bike ride. And it's like we're just biking around. We get some exercise. Uh, there, there's no danger of the kids going anywhere because they're just strapped in in the back, looking around. So it, it's been, especially like during the the COVID isolation periods, it was uh, a sanity saver. But um, it's 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 been great. Um, the, the one we have is a, a WiiHoo that can carry two kids. Uh, and this sounds like an advertisement, but uh,
1: that is my recommendation.
0: Perfect for Eric.
1: <laughs> well, Have so, you gotten so, a bike trailer? No, Ben, uh, I know your kids might not be old enough yet. Mine are eight and seven. They now have bikes. Mm. And I will say biking with them now in the new neighborhood has been great. The only issue with them now on bikes is that neither – to get both of them to go the, the correct speed at the same time is almost impossible. So you, disaster. you do have to bring your spouse, I think, to like, you know, play man defense uh, on this, but yeah, I agree. I mean, biking has been cathartic for me during the pandemic as well. Um, maybe not enough. So though,
0: I'm just, I'm just hurt that your recommendation didn't apply to me. Uh, you have a bike, you bike, oh, to work. I have a bike, right. But his recommendation is getting a, a, <laughs> bike,
1: uh, cart. Yeah. I mean, If you put Sam in there, you have kids someday. (laughs) George George is like the funniest thing about George, George has a bike and unlike 99% of other humans, the, the bike to work for George, I don't think he breaks a sweat. Of course not. Yeah.
0: I also don't touch my handlebars. It's the only way I like keep my mind sharp, (laughs) force myself to have this little challenge. I
1: shoot with my left hand every once in a while to activate the right side of my brain. Right. There you go. Um, (laughs) Ben,
0: this was fantastic. You can check out all of Ben's work, by the way, uh, on Twitter, at The Athletic, um, at Ben Baldwin. Anything else that you, you are, I should have mentioned this at the top, the finest purveyor of open-sourced yeah. NFL data. And if anyone is out there and is listening and wants to get started in analytics uh, in football, Ben Baldwin is probably yeah, the, the number one person for you to follow.
1: Yeah. the, the You know, Ben Ben made a, 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 dis, uh, a comment about how well we've hired over the last few years. I don't think that there's anybody. I know, um, and I'm blanking on the name. There's plenty of other people that have been involved in NFL Fast R, and they're all great. Um, you know, chief among them, though, Ben, you know, the fact is, is when we hire people, we don't have to just we don't have to uh, guess as to whether or not they're good because they've used your tools and, and produced great work even before they've ever applied for our job. So you're, you know, we owe you a, a great open source football.com is what you're calling it now, right, Ben?
2: Yeah. So that, that's the one where, um, if people want a place to publish an article where, um, the analysis that the code that does the analysis is open source. Um, there's that. And then, um, there's also NFL faster, which is, our attempt at making um, getting your hands on NFL play by play data uh, as easily as possible and, and but our, our belief is that the, the barrier to entry for coding and programming data analysis should be as low as possible and like, anybody who wants to try their hand on it should be able to and, and feel encouraged to and that that's really what what we're hoping to do and, and it's great to see people start with that and, and go on to get jobs uh, at, at places like uh, with you guys and other places
0: yeah, it's uh, the website is fantastic. Everyone should go check it out. Ben, thank you so much, brother. We'll see you on the other side, man. Thanks for having me. Special thanks to our friend Ben Baldwin uh, at Ben Baldwin on Twitter, the Computer Cowboy. Um, he his his Twitter is absolutely a blessing. It's it's God's gift, and what he's done, as we talked about with um, all the open source stuff and NFL Fast R, like, could not encourage you enough. If you're intimidated about like starting to do math and football it's the least intimidating place to go do it um so i highly if you're a young you analyst so.
1: out there like you look at like tage seth who works for us you know zach drapkin uh timo risky was somebody who like we, hired, how we knew about him yeah we hired him because he was using this open source data and um if you're a young analyst out there the best way to get involved is to is to work with data and to come up with fun insights and Um, you know, we're so blessed because we know these people are good before we even hire them. And and Ben's a big reason for that.
0: Indeed he is. We'll be back on Sunday. Soren Petro is joining us. We are doing the AFC West You, I promise you, to see Eric talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. And actually, he has another team that he absolutely loves uh, in the AFC West as well. So uh, you should check it out. We'll see you guys on Sunday. Peace.